Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Proudly presented by worldpodcast.com. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everybody, welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Every week we look at insights into different areas of professional video, film, television, online and so much more. This week we're going to be looking at broadcast, cinema advertising, social, switching NLEs. It's my pleasure to say thank you David Hewson for joining us on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me, Mark. David, um, do you want to just spend a couple of minutes telling the listeners exactly how you fit into professional video and the other areas and um, yeah, what you're up to at the moment? So I guess I, st- I started my career, um, as, when I was work- studying at university, I started part-time doing news and uh, OB work with sports and then um, I continued with that. Uh, I was also serving in the military um, part-time and they eventually discovered that I was handy with a camera and they could send me places where they couldn't send civilian contractors. So I got to do, um, got into documentary and e-learning pretty early in the game back in between 2001 and 2005 and got back into full-time broadcast coming out of that with the ABC for Australia Network, which is their international uh, arm and also did a lot of other freelance work keeping up with what was happening digitally, um, a lot of web and um, social content along the way as well. And uh, now, um, just coming off a contract doing um, some health education type video work, I'm now back into broadcast, which was something I didn't expect to find myself going back into given the current climate. But um, uh, TV shopping is alive and well and doing gangbusters. I didn't, if you asked me a year ago if I find myself doing shopping network i probably would have just laughed but um they have a model that is not reliant on advertising they're selling direct to customer and um they're actually doing really well they're really healthy um which i was quite surprised but um and if i'm not there i'm actually editing for production houses doing everything from um, brand videos social media and there's also an advertising agency I'm working for as well, doing cinema advertising. So I get to do a few different things. Yeah. But, um, yeah. That's a wide range of um, projects and jobs that you get to get your hands onto across across a wide lot of disciplines. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. Uh, I'm enjoying the work, just not the travel. Um, I'm, I'm a family man and uh, we actually live in Newcastle, but all the work's in you know Sydney or Melbourne or Brisbane. Uh, this year has been really good. I've been able to keep all the work in Sydney and I've just been able to get myself four clients, um, well, four, four employers. Um, I made the decision not to run my own shop direct to customer but put myself out there as an, a producer editor, a content producer, and work direct to either agencies or production houses or broadcasters. And I'm finding that's a lot more enjoyable, a lot less headaches. Um, and I'm doing what I love and I actually um, get to go home and leave work at work and, you know, um, yeah. Good to have that work-life balance. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. Now, um, in in your roles, um, I know that you do a bit of motion design and editing, so throughout those um, different projects that you're working on, uh, are you using all the skill set or different positions focused on different areas of your skill sets? Yeah, so traditionally through my career, I've been producing, shooting and editing. So you never really get to stop and specialise in any one thing. 
And you might have projects which take your time up for three or four months where you're just doing one thing and then you've got to go back into it again and do everything. This last year or so, I've really just been focusing on producing and editing. So the motion graphics and editing is definitely part of that. Doing a lot less shooting. I'm actually knocking back shooting work, unless it, depending on what it is. Um, and just getting a specialist in to do it. That way I can produce. And then that way I know when I get to the edit suite, I've got, you know, all my, I haven't got any gaps. I, hadn't, you know, I can actually focus on set while someone else is doing the shooting. I can actually be doing the interviewing and making sure I get the B-roll. I might pick up set camera anyway. But, um, yeah, so, like, um, sorry, I forget the second part of your question there. But <laughs> no, just um, if the different projects that you're working on basically yeah. get to utilise all of your skills or they decompartmentalise depending on who you're working for at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, in broadcast, it's very much live. So we're doing 13 hours of live programming each day. And, to, you know, like I was saying, that business model, like they're selling $50,000 pearl necklaces on air. I was totally blown away. I would not think people sitting on the couch would have $50,000 to drop on a pearl necklace. And they sell them within the hour. Um, there's like 12 of them. They just sold them. They had pieces of jewellery going from $50,000 down to, you know, five, 600 bucks. And I was just blown away. So I'm thinking, right, okay, I can see myself being important in broadcast for a bit longer. But yeah, so that's very technical, on the fly. I'm either directing or editing or I'm in the control room pressing buttons and watching TV. Um, and then when I'm editing, yeah, I could be doing a cinema advertising piece, which is definitely MoGraph, more cinematic in the composition, the way you're storytelling in that. And then, then you've got your brand pieces where you're trying to encapture the persona of the brand so that's going to be different for each one but generally everything needs you traditionally you know you'd be an NLE you'd have After Effects open and Photoshop open and you're going to be pulling in branding assets and compositing them in doing a bit of ease and whiz um, you know and then occasionally you'll get something where you've got to do a full on MoGraph sort of infographic um, they've got no video footage you've got to grab some stock grab some images and just totally totally go to town on it After Effects um, or now I'm learning Fusion 8, which I'm loving. Node-based is just, you know, takes away the rabbit holes of, of pre-comps. Um, and I'm finding a lot of the stuff I used to do in After Effects, I'm actually now doing in Final Cut 10. It's essentially, it's so powerful um, in what it can do now. And essentially the same way you do pre-comps in After Effects, you do that in Final Cut 10. And there's a lot of stuff I used to go to that, I now just do in there. A lot of compositing I can do straight in my NLE, which definitely... Um, makes turnaround times a lot better yeah and uh final cut um 10 with um motion you know the the elements and templates that are available in that market are massive it's become a real um opportunity for people to produce um tools that we would sort of think of as almost like motion templates really to utilize in your edits and things have you been using any of those or building them Definitely. I love, I love that. I mean, Adobe's just adopted that feature recently in Premiere. I've been waiting for that to come into Premiere for a long time because yeah. just the whole round tripping, just, you know, I'd never do it because that one out of 10 times it breaks, it takes everything with it. You have to go back to a backups and start again. That was just too painful. I couldn't do that in broadcast. I just couldn't risk it. So um, Final Cut Motion has had that for a while now where you could publish from Motion a template into 10. So I could take a opening and closing title sequence do it up as a as a template, publish it to Final Cut 10 and never have to go back to motion again. I, I publish the parameters and controls, you know, um, and off I go. And I've done that for a number of brands and, and also broadcast clients. So doing promos, you could pre-do your, your pack shots at the end, 
with the time slots and everything and just switch out the elements and off you go. And no one would know. Like working at Foxtel, they're an avid workhouse, uh, avid house, um, though as a, as a freelancer, I could actually grab my assets out of the system through Avid, cut it in 10 and deliver back into Avid. Uh, I'd be finishing at 4 p.m. They'd be finishing at 5 or 6 p.m. <laughs> um, just because I, I, could cut, I could cut down a lot of the, the time, literally the time it takes to do the same job. I, can just, I could just do it so much quicker, um, not having to go in and out of modes. And, and it has nothing to do with my speed of editing in Avid. It's not, I'm not the quickest Avid editor, but, um, um, but it's just the, the workflow. You know, yeah. they just solve so many headaches. Yeah. So you've got experience across the main three um, A's when it comes to in alleys, Adobe, Avid, and Apple? Yes. Yeah. So how have you found um, your point of view right now and where each of them are standing, what your preference was, would be as an individual and also working in a larger team? Yeah, I think you need to add one more to the A. There's an R on the end now. Resolve. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of, yeah, and um, from a, from a yeah. Aussie, black magic's yeah. a huge part of the environment in yeah. Australia. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, well, going back, look, I think I entered the industry around the same time you did. I, I started on Digibeta, Umatic type um, machines, and um, so linear. And one of the first nonlinear machines I learned other than Media 100 was actually Premiere. Um, yep. The university I was going to rolled out Premiere. The Umanic machines were chewing up our $50 tapes. So we couldn't actually submit any assessments because the machines were just too old and just shredding our tapes. So they eventually got Premiere and we learned that one. We also had Media 100, um, which was mainly for the third year students at the time. But um, I didn't realise until recently, but um, Premiere, the original version of Premiere, Final Cut 7 and Final Cut 10 was written by the same, the same yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by Randy Ogulos. And, um, and uh, it's very interesting. He, he recently gave an interview last year on his journey and what he learnt along the way and how in each iteration of each new program he wrote, how, the, how he incorporated what he'd learnt along the way from other editors as well as his own experience writing a program and making a program robust so that it can withstand and be stable. And um, I think that's what we're seeing now with Adobe is very bloated. They're starting to be a bit more cautious of what they're adding on and how much they're adding on to it because they realise that it's becoming brittle as a software, you know, how many lines of code you have. It's a bit like building a house of cards. Um, you know, decisions you've made lower down earlier on in the piece will affect what you can do later on. And if you try to fiddle around with the base, you know, like a house of cards, it'll come tumbling down. Yep. Uh, Avid made that decision a while ago. They've been very careful and very restrictive of what they add on and, and there's certain bugs they just can't fix. And the same with Adobe. And um, I guess for workflow-wise, um, Avid offers some great back-end tools for big workflows for that you need, like in a feature film. We're seeing those workflows become available for... Um, it, well, it's been tested and proven already for Premiere and Final Cut 10. Most of the Hollywood um, film editors who have used all three are starting to go towards Final Cut 10. Their biggest headache and the, where the, the, the key point is is how you get that back-end um, delivery and management sorted. Now, there have been a couple of models out there at the moment who, which have been used and are being refined uh, before they're widely adopted. Like um, There's been a few feature films like Wingy, Whiskey, Tango, Foxtrot and Focus, which have both been cut in 10. Uh, Focus is probably the one that really cut their teeth and sort of showed that it can be done. They learned a lot of lessons which are now 
uh, benefited the wider community in, in solving those. And we're seeing with um, LumaForge and a few others who uh, have demonstrated workflows, particularly in broadcast, but in, um, that are really um, smashing it, like in, yeah. particularly in the UK. Yeah, so LumaForge is um, offering the Jellyfish for shared network storage for Correct. Final Cut 10, but also Premiere as well. Yep. They also offer more than just the hardware. They actually have workflow. Like LumaForge, their team have a lot of experience in Hollywood working on feature films and doing that DIT um, back-end management across from, from production all the way through to delivery. And yep. that's really um, what they're... That's, yes, they offer the shared storage because that's a, a key component required to execute. And um, Avid has some limitations there, particularly in broadcast, just the ability to be able to record and replay from the same system. You can't do that. You have to do one or the other. So like a lot of the editing I do in broadcast, I'm actually editing a growing timeline that's still recording. Yeah. And turning that around real time. Um, can't do that in Avid, really. Um, and I either got to use EVS, uh, which is a using a lot of OB trucks and stuff for doing instant replays, slow motion replays for sport events and stuff like that. We use that um, through IP Director to do uh, a lot of social media content where I'm cutting stuff live as it's happening and publishing it to Twitter where the moderator will actually go in and publish it. Um, we're doing a lot of that work. I uh, like doing it for Sky Racing recently uh, and for other networks that have, um, want to engage their online live audiences. Um, and um, so Final Cut 10 allows us to do that. I actually use that in, in OB trucks at the moment. I've, I'll have my laptop set up along with EVS. I'll be plugged in through the Ethernet and I can actually access files from the EVS, from the other EVS operators through the network, yep. as well as ones that I've flipped up myself through IP Director and I can be cutting together packages. So, for example, at the races, we'll have jockeys come in at the beginning of the day and while they're weighing in, we'll have a camera there grabbing each of their races. They'll be telling us about, just quickly, like 30 seconds on each race. They'll be going, oh, in race two, you know, yeah, I'll be riding this horse, how they think they're performing. They know who else is riding in that race and they'll give a quick review of how they're going. And we'll have, we've got to cut like um, seven or eight of those for each race and I'll have like six or seven jockeys coming in and I've got to hit those and start putting them out before the actual race. Um, so a very tight turnaround. Um, Final Cut 10 is probably the only workflow that I've been able to successfully do that in. Uh, Premiere is, is okay, but stability, I, the sort of size laptop I would need to be able to do that in the truck uh, would be cost prohibitive and um, and uh, it's just the organisational factor that, that that's really the power of Final Cut 10 apart from the fact that it's running on AV Foundations which is super fast video engine similar one to that's used in um, Resolve um, it's just so quick and yeah. that and the organisation that you can do in 10 when you unlock that organisation like smart collections and keywords they're not just tags or tabs when you actually use them to the capacity that they've been designed for um, you can take 16 weeks worth of footage and have it at your fingertips and just hit one button, put in one search type and bang, you're just looking at what you need to look at. You're not sifting through bins and bins of footage. And I guess that's one of the key things that um, makes that, that saves you so much time. Yeah. You, you know, um, using roles and audio for delivery. Um, what would take me two or three hours of organising in Avid or Premiere, I just touch one button and there's my... All my audio channels have just been lined out exactly. I can export multi my stems to an audio designer and they're going, wow, this is heaven. Like, you've got everything laid out for me. How long did that take you? <laughs> I just tell them one button. <laughs> and then yeah. there's like the guys, I mean, the audio guys at Foxtel would comment on that. They'd go, 
your stuff comes in so nice and neat and organized. How much time do you spend on that, man? It's like, it doesn't take me any time at all, but don't tell anyone, you know. I'm like, I'll show them, I'll do it in 10. Um, and um, most of the stuff at Voxtel doesn't have a lot of complicated audio for promos. It's usually, you know, you're dealing with eight tracks. But if you're taking sound bites and stuff from different things, you do need to lay it out for them. Otherwise, when they start to put filters and start to mix, it's going to make life hard for them because it's not going to be quite the same. Yeah. Do you mind um, explaining to the audience um, what what Foxtel is? Because it's one of Australia's well, largest um, So Foxtel, yeah, is our... our our basically our dominant uh, pay TV provider. Uh, they've been going for a long time now, and since the you know, they've been going gangbusters, particularly when broadband speeds picked up, um, they were able to deliver. You didn't have to have a satellite dish on your roof anymore. You could just pick it up through your um, network. Um, yeah, so they, they pretty much have oh, quite a few channels. can't remember the exact number now. But uh, as a prescription service, they're our main provider. They've obviously been making some big adjustments to their big business model to um, to be nimble and competitive with Netflix and various other competitors who have over the top that have been coming in. Um, they've, they've made sure they've secured a lot of the key, key shows and programming um, like Game of Thrones and various other things to, to, to keep an edge. Uh, and they're adjusting their business model away from the broadcast and more to the over the top um, structure. So um, and that's been evident in their, 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 um, the way they've been reshaping themselves as a digital um, angle. Uh, they're a great employer to work for. They do some great content. Um, and, um, but, you know, they, they are very much on the front foot compared to some of the other broadcasters as far as um, adjusting to the new marketplace and being relevant to their customer. And it's, they're still advertising they still rely on advertising. It'll be interesting to see how they address that going forward. Yeah. Whereas a lot of other free-to-air players are still struggling to to to, to um, come up with a new model. Yeah, it's um, interesting to see somebody in that market um, being future-focused and aggressive because uh, it, it feels like um, some some others in similar situations, and I'm thinking of one particular here in New Zealand, which is holding on to an old model as hard and f- as tight as it can, and the reality is that it's just slipping through their fingers. Yeah. Are you seeing, um, is Foxtel sort of looking at producing um, its own content for local market as well? They do. Foxtel, out of Foxtel's, um, yes, they do make, they commission quite a bit of content. They have a few flagship channels which they focus on and the other channels are essentially owned or they, they have either licensed or, or are owned by like, like Universal or um, HBO or Showcase. So they look after that, that, that content is supplied to that channel and they have a business arrangements for them for accessing our market. Um, and then there's channels that are that they're directly licensed and owned by Foxtel. And they, you know, obviously advertise where the advertising dollars come in. That's and, and obviously the subscription is, is is a big part of that too. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they, they address that going forward. I know a lot of the free-to-air guys are losing like I think someone released some figures last year in Australia right now. We average around $13 billion in advertising uh, a year across the market, like across Australia. And traditionally, about $9 billion of that was spent on TV, radio, paper, print. Um, and literally in a space of six months, that was flipped upside down. Yeah. So that $4 billion that was on digital is now growing to about eight or nine uh, because what's been happening is the marketing departments of various 
people, organisations, some of which I've been working for, have been diligently experimenting and refining their, their digital mix, looking and looking each year at the return they're getting on their spend. And they're seeing that this targeted method of doing it is relevant and very effective and cost effective uh, in reaching their audience and getting the right type of customer, yeah. uh, getting to the right audience um, without annoying everyone else. Um, and so that's where they're putting their money. So yeah. broadcast the shotgun effect, uh, shot, you know, well, it worked whilst there was an exclusive audience where they had an exclusive platform. Now that they don't have that, the old aggregation model that they set up in the um, late 80s is pretty much dead. But what they did was in the 80s, they sacked all the innovators, the producers, and said, no, don't change anything. We're going to print money. We'll buy old programming from the US five years, that was made five years ago, sell it to Australia's brand new because they don't know any different. And, and off we go. But so the internet broke that for them because while they're showing season two of some show, we're already watched season five online yeah. somewhere and going, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's been happening for a while. So yeah. it's not like that they, it's come out of nowhere for no, them. No, it's gradually happened, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an interesting one to see what happens in the future, especially um, predominantly in Australasia. The big stakehold for these networks has been sport because Australia and New Zealand are yep. very passionate about their sports. And, oh, uh, look, that's about to go to digital. Yeah, exactly. And, and Amazon, yeah. <laughs> Amazon, you know, it looks like they've really got a keen eye on trying some things in our markets, which will yep. shake up things overnight, really. Totally. They, they only, yeah, there was recently, this year, there was a bid uh, on it. They were only just nipped it, but I reckon they'll come back with a war chest. Yeah. Um, and they'll just smash. Pay TV can't, I mean, free-to-air TV can't, keep paying the amount of money they are paying for the sport they are getting now because they're just not getting a return on it. Yeah. So they either need to come up with a new way of monetizing that uh, that is relevant to today's audiences. Or we're going to see, like we just saw Channel 10 get bought by CBS in the States. They were carrying a lot of debt from the GFC. So is Channel 9. Last I checked, they were carrying a lot of debt from the GFC. And, and each five years, they've got to refinance that. And each five years, they're less and less, becoming less and less of a profitable viable person to lend to or business to lend to um, because they're not making I don't know what they're doing in the digital side of things I think they are trying the MSN obviously and then Seven's got Yahoo um, Channel 10 not sure um, but uh, yeah they're all scrambling to 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 sort that out and it's um, for people that I know that are in there it's 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 a bit of, bit of carnage going on at the moment um, yeah yeah, they're fairly, fairly tight. But, um, you know, there's a lot of new opportunities. Um, yeah, and with social. I'm, I'm loving. Yeah, definitely with social, it's about mm. um, seeing, seeing where you can um, translate to and also new technologies and emerging technologies with uh, VR, AR, etc. And it was interesting you were talking about earlier um, the OBVAN's live live um, broadcast to Twitter and yep. other social um, uh it feels like there's a massive push, especially by Facebook, but other social networks for live video over um, prepackaged totally. delivery. So yeah, it's um, is it? I was really surprised to hear that you're using Final Cut Pro X in that delivery, and just wondering how much testing um, were you able to do before you made the decision. I've done a lot of testing and broadcast for it and live events. I started, a lot of my testing was founded in doing live events, doing changes and cuts. Like I literally got a client, a CEO over your shoulder 
wanting to change a video that's about to go on screen in five minutes time and I'm still able to take changes, kick out that five minute clip and deliver it to the guy, the AV guy next to me on a USB stick and put it in, it's going to play. I can't do that on any other NLE on a MacBook Pro. Yeah. If I had a, a $15,000 um, Alienware HP or Dell or something, you might be able to get close to that, but even the export times on Premiere, and, the, and then you've got the stability factor too. Um, you know, Windows is really the biggest problem for Premiere. It's not Premiere, I mean, it's bloated, but so is Windows, and that the two together... Um, often cause issues. Windows, I think, um, as an operating system, it's not designed for what we're doing. It's designed for financial software. If you look, if Windows is to, Microsoft was to go, who's their number one client? It's the financial sector. When they write their operating system, they've got to make sure that every firm that's running financial software, you know, Salesforce and that sort of stuff, is going to run because they are the reason of their existence from day one. Everyone else after that comes second down the line um so as a uh, you know from what i know of computer engineering and i'm not a computer engineer but um windows has always been problematic um for running complicated software like where you run for after effects or um for video editing and um i find mac is optimized for hardware that's owned all by the one operator and it's optimized to work yeah. together so um I'm it's in the, not relying on yeah. GPU or anything like that. So, I'm in the lucky position where we've got really strong IT support, and so we yeah. had four PCs built out from scratch by them. So mm. that was pretty much um, they were given the all clear to build their dream machines, yep. and um, support them as well. So we've oh, had PC can work well, really good experiences, mm. and I think that Windows 10 um, was definitely definitely made it an easier transition from Mac. Mm. But also um, with the GPUs that we could put mm. into them, especially with doing 3D, uh, it's yeah. you know night and day over our productivity versus what we could achieve with just totally. native Apple. But I, I, I have found that you're being on correct that there is still a lot of um, issues that you have to work out. And, and it's kind of that thing of when you bind into an Apple ecosystem, you're paying to remove those pain points. Yep. When you're going with Windows, the cost is lower for the hardware, but you are going to have to spend a little bit more time. And, um, you know, if you're lucky like I am and you've got great IT support, mm. that that doesn't really um, come into the equation as much. Oh, totally. I agree. If, you, if you're doing like what you're doing, if you're doing high-end motion graphics compositing, you can, get a, you can set up a system, build a farm. You can totally build infrastructure around that and, and for broadcast, a lot of the broadcast stuff I do is Windows. And there's reasons for that. And it works, as long as you don't update anything. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, and that's the, big, that's, the, you know, that's the main thing. is like you know, Windows 10 at the moment, it automatically updates in the background as soon as you yeah. shut down a reboot. And that can totally kill you. Like, for example, we were doing live streaming. And, of course, we're running off the Blackmagic ATMs. And then Windows did this update and it just killed the whole system. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, you're so correct. It's like I'm just so paranoid with with my team and like just don't update anything. Nvidia yeah. drivers, no, no. Yeah, you've got to turn all that stuff off in the background, yeah. and it's hard sometimes because Windows don't make it easy. They're trying yeah. to make it foolproof for some person who rocks up to an office each day. Uh, but for us, where we're relying on, you know, software yeah. that's got to you know take them a good couple of weeks after a Windows update to to be able to do an update to figure out all the ins and outs. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it can kill you if you're live on air. And that's, for me, 
the decision for me to go Final Cut 10 is just that the optimization the Final Cut 10 team have done, like they've done, they've they've actually made optimizations in the chipsets. The i7 chipset has optimization in there for H.264. It also has the operating system for 10 has actually got optimization in there, especially for Final Cut 10. And the whole lot just works so smoothly. Like I can put in 3D motion graphics in there and watch it back real time without having to render a single thing. Um, I can then I can cut in six to, like I'm cutting screens constantly. The screens I'm doing for live events are like um, 1080 by 5400. Um, now I couldn't do that in Premiere. I'd probably have to do it in After Effects, and there's no way I could do that on my laptop in After Effects and sit there with a client and do real changes live without having to sit there and watch a render bar. So yeah. doing I'd be able to do that in Final Cut 10 on my laptop, which has only got 16 gigs of RAM, two gigs of GPU. The way Final Cut 10 is doing that is using my SSD. And it's, they've got some really clever stuff built in there that allows you to do some really high-end, sophisticated stuff that I traditionally would go to After Effects for, um, for compositing and all the rest of it. There's still a lot of things which, um, which if it requires fine-tuning and easing and stuff like that, I'll go to file, I'll go to After Effects because I can really get in there and do easing and, and that sort of fine finessing. Um, but if it's something that's preset that I can sort of rig up, I'll do it in 10 and it saves me half an hour, an hour. Yeah, um, particularly on that fast turnaround work. Sweet. Um, it's um, yeah, no, it's interesting. Like uh, I think it's one of those things. I think if you're in, you know, if I, if I was going to set up and do like Fusion or or um, um, After Effects as a, as, a yeah. as a as a mainstay, I would probably have to go to a PC um, yeah. just to, to you know for the workflow because I just can't be sitting there watching a a render bar all day. But you know, I'm looking at the new iMac Pros. So they're looking promising. Um, yeah. and um, so we'll see what happens at the end of the year yeah it's, it's been a bit of a, a pain, in, pain in my workflows that with the GPUs which I really do enjoy um, Adobe adding more to the GPUs but I still find that you've got to be really aware because there are some issues that come with that mm. um, so I've, I've definitely noticed uh, when doing some encoding through um, Adobe Media Encoder that yep. there is a shift when you're using Mercury um, engine for yes. fast for speed, it is yep. causing shifts in um, ProRes or um, yep. uncompressed files, which for broadcast is definitely not what you want. No, no. I think Mercury and like I mean, if you look at how old the code is in Premiere, I know they did get a bit of a rewrite in CS6, I think, uh, but they're still running a lot of old old code, and that's why they didn't make a Final Cut Pro eight. That's why they said, nah, this code goes back to 95, back when standard def was the new thing, um, and they're moving HD and beyond. So that's why they killed Final Cut 7, dropped QuickTime Engine, and went to AV Foundations. They said, no, nah, we're going to build an NLE. Let's do it. Build one for five years' time. That's why there was no tape ingest on it, because they said, in five years' time, no one's going to be using tape. It's going to be file-based. So they made one, and that's what they did, and it upset the people because there was no, no transition process. It was just cold, and they upset a lot of people in their marketing and how they went to market with that, and they've come back and said, oops. Um, but, um, yeah, I think um, that's what I look for in an NLE. When it came to testing it from an engineering point of view, um, we ran models with Premiere, Avid, we already knew wouldn't do it because we're already trying. Um, and um, Final Cut, Avid, there was another player as well. I think it's Quantel. 
which was yep. not bad actually. It's a PC solution. Quantel's good. Uh, it's a box thing. It's a certified setup. It's not cheap. Um, a lot of newsrooms use it. Um, Quantel's been around for a very long time. Final Cut for me was the great. If I needed extra GPU, I just throw a Thunderbolt box in yep. with some, some graphics cards in it. And then suddenly, you know, I, I've, I've my, my 20 minute uh, export from After Effects is down to five minutes. Um, you know, um, that's what I generally do now if I need it. Um, and that's what I love about Thunderbolt. And that's what they're trying to do with the trash can, the Apple trash can. But probably um, they've gone back to, to the think tank on that. And we've got a new thing coming out sometime next year, hopefully, which will um, be, be a bit better and more modular, they said. Uh, so. We'll see. We'll see. It was interesting. Um, yeah. Apple, Apple never say that they stuff up. No. Uh, they say that they uh, tried things and it didn't quite work and their open letter to the industry saying that the trash can really was a, a bit that the industry was going one way and the graphics card went another and yeah. that, they, that there was definitely um, reconcil- reconsolidating and yeah, it's it's interesting because everyone's like, oh, they're going to bring it out next year, but they never actually said that. But <laughs> so we'll oh, see. The, the iMac Pro, they definitely bring out. Like they've already demoed that just this week. Gone. They've previewed Final Cut Pro X four, so version four, which has some amazing color color tools in there, which is uh, awesome. They've got wheels and some other pretty cool stuff, which I normally go to Resolve for. I'm not sure if they've got motion tracking in there yet. I think it's still a third-party mocker plugin, but um, their, their color tools, from what I could see from Twitter and and Facebook and stuff, uh, is looking pretty good. And they're demoing, I'm pretty sure, the new iMac Pro, which is you know looking it's looking like the business as far as the specs go. Um, which I'm pretty I'm pretty confident they'll deliver really well on that. Um, yeah, they've they've got that technology down. They're just you know mixing yeah. the two together. Definitely. Now. Um we connected because you joined the Pro Video Facebook group, and yeah. when you did, I messaged you and said, um, how, "How are you finding the show?" <laughs> and it was like nice to have you respond positively. <laughs> no, it's been great, man. I spent a lot of time on the train commuting, so I go through podcasts pretty quickly. And um, yeah, it's been great, man. I've been loving what you're doing, and then the discovery process along the way. The guests coming on who have also got like the. Uh, Motion Graphics School, was it School of Motion Graphics? School Guys, that of was Motion, great. yeah. Yeah, and um, and then I was um, just chatting with you and then you were saying, oh, yeah, Foxtel have some interns and we've um, put it on the list of recommended oh, listening. So, yeah, it wasn't Foxtel. It was um, one of the other places I'm working for has an intern, some interns in, yeah. So um, I'm trying, they're straight out of afters. Some of them yeah. are still studying at afters. Uh, doing Avid and um, they're also cutting in Final Cut 10 and, and Premiere and so I've been loading them up with podcasts and tutorials um, to get them you know how to do this how to do that um, type stuff for stuff they're going to come across in their workflow and yes yeah, so yeah. your podcast is definitely on there man um, it's great yeah awesome and and that's exactly the kind of thing that I wanted to happen is um, to have a wide variety of topics that kind of just bring in awareness to everyone because there's so much going on in so many different areas of the industry that you, unless you hear about it you're just not aware that it's happening yeah totally and now it's time for the pro video packs so David, every week we do pro video picks just to give the listeners a bit of insight into some new areas that they might not know about. What's your pro video pick for this week? Well, I'm a big one for workflow 
And something that I discovered recently, actually, one of the uh, one of the uh, editors at uh, work put me onto. I'd heard about it before, but I hadn't actually looked into it. Was um, Post Haste? It's a great little app. Um, it allows you to, um, when it comes to keeping organised, naming conventions, particularly if you're working in groups, it allows you to essentially set up. What you do is you go in and make a template up of having everything set up the way you like it. Or, Naming for so for me in Final Cut 10, I'll go in there and put in my smart collections, any of my sort of uh, organisational stuff. I'll pre-save in there, um, so that when it opens up, you can name a file. It pre-names everything. So all your After Effects folders, all your After it has default After Effects, Photoshop, whatever I want in there. Audition, Pro Tools, it will save it. And each time you start a project, it will have all those created for you, all labelled up, ready to go inside a folder structure. So it's uniform. You don't have anyone doing any fancy flavours. Of, of stuff it all comes out nice and organized so uh, that's post haste free download app um, by digital rebellion um, and it saves me time and heartache particularly when you're working with new trainees and stuff uh, i've found it so much of a saver it means that you some you, it's consistent uniform and the big thing about workflows obviously it's repeatable teachable scalable yeah and efficient so yeah it's um been around for quite some time because yeah. I remember coming across it oh, and I'm thinking it's well over six years ago now. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I just came across it recently. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the big thing is with this is you can sort of define the um, the template structure when you're creating new projects. So if job yeah. numbers are your big thing, you can have that first up and then a title. But like you said, um, that will flow through all of your project files as well through Adobe or Final Cut and rename yep. all of those. So then you're not having to rename every file as you're opening it up. Yep, works with Avid too, I'm pretty sure. Yep. And I haven't tested on Avid yet, but I know it works for Adobe and, and Apple. Yeah. And I, Resolve too. It works for, um, I found it. I'm oh, nice. Pretty sure. yeah. I haven't checked the latest one on 14. I know it worked in 4.5. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's such a huge time saver, particularly for groups and organization. Because, yeah. You know, Shared, shared projects and stuff, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And having those After Effects or Premiere or Final Cut or whatever, yep. within that, having the right folders and naming conventions as well. Just to, Correct. Yeah. And if you're passing files between each other, like, you know, overseas and stuff, if everyone's got their stuff structured right, when it comes to relinking, it should all go back together again. Yeah. Minimal headaches and missing media icons coming up. Yeah, it's a great time saver because it's um, not only the setting up, but it's the not having to um, work out a tangled mess of somebody else's construction. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. So, excellent choice. My pro video pick is um, Kino for Windows. Um, Kino has been available for Mac for quite some time. So, Kino is... Uh, the closest thing I could sort of give an analogy to is sort of bridge, but it's designed for professional video and it's really good in those organizations where um, the interface is easily to understand and dive into for those that aren't professional. So when you're collaborating across a team, it allows people to go in, do star ratings and um, do in and outs and write notes and um, yeah, it just works really seamlessly with dragging footage into different apps as well. So I've um, we used an edit share, which is a great great tool, but um, the asset management side of that wasn't great. So I've been evaluating new solutions for some time, and Kino coming out in beta for PC looks like a really good solution. So I thought I'd highlight that. It's still in beta for the Windows, so it's a bit buggy. But the range of files that it works for is 
pretty vast. Um, it doesn't work with the um, raw um, formats of some cameras, but yeah, is that what's Good that, camera. mate? Great for MXF type cameras systems where you just want to quickly, you know, dupe in, and if you don't yeah. want to have to keep everything, just keep the best, pick the eyes out of what you shot. That's uh, a great tool. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so inspirational video. I really like this this section because it doesn't have to be um, a film or TV, but it definitely can be if you want. And it's just basically a piece of video that has been inspirational for you that you think the audience would like. So, David, what's yours, mate? Um, I've actually been learning Fusion 8 via YouTube. Um, so I've Tony Gallardo and uh, Chet's because Gaz Doron, I can't remember his last name, but they've been putting out some amazing tutorials, which gets you into some pretty deep compositing really quick in the Fusion. So for someone coming from After Effects, that's their that's their slant. They understand After Effects as well. So if you're coming from After Effects, they're great tutorials because they really help you bridge that gap. Fusion is so powerful; it's free. You can download it free from Blackmagic, and if you you know if you like the idea of um, node-based compositing like Nuke, um, Fusion is a great great option. It's really powerful. Loving what um, Blackmagic have done with Fusion Eight, and um, definitely it's one that I'm keep keep st- um, using and practicing on. Um, crack it open for some jobs very soon. Awesome. Yeah, Blackmagic keeps popping up quite a lot on this show with, um, yeah, really turning the industry upside down with their model of offering these powerful tools for free. Mm. So um, thank you, Blackmagic, and thank you for that one. That's great. And um, my inspirational video is from Short of the Week. If you haven't been and visited Short of the Week, sometimes I can mumble my words together. It's a great, great site for seeing some different types of content, so short films across the board. This week, um, there was a really funny, um, hilarious sort of six minutes, I think it turned out to be, and it's about five amateur Satanists in a, cer- in a ceremony <laughs> that goes a bit as- askew and wrong. And it was actually quite funny and well-produced as well. So um, there's a bit of a twist at the end as any good short does. So, yeah, check it out. And if you've got a mate who always goes into situations and mucks it up for everyone, I think you'll really appreciate this video. So that, li- that link and all the others will be on the show notes. So don't forget to check out those on the, your podcaster of choice, but they'll also be on our website for Pro Video Podcast. So finally, mate, who are you following online? Actually, I think I got those mixed up. I'm sorry, I'm following following Tony Gallardo and Chet who are doing the tutorials. And my inspirational video of the week is actually the Foley artist, the secret life of a Foley artist. A That's Foley a artist. And it takes you into behind the scenes of what Foley artists do and oh, what nice. they actually contribute to a picture. Um, and, the, and I'm a big sci-fi fan. Um, and I think this has been out for a while, but the Star Wars Down Under, where a beer, a beer commercial meets Star Wars, uh, <laughs> love the CGI on it, how they've captured the Australian landscapes. And I, I mean, this has been out for a while, but I, um, I've just watched it again recently with my kids, actually, and just thought, oh, it's done, you know, I just love what they've done with it. I've actually looked at it, studied it a bit deeper. Cool. Um, and uh, yeah, they've done a really good job. Oh, good stuff. Awesome. Um, 
who am I following online? Well, I've been looking through um, Instagram recently, and um, Mitch Vinny was definitely one that popped up for me. Uh, some exceptional work. The reason why this um, popped up for me was because he had a Nodefest um, ident comp submission, and he had used some of the scenes that were unused from that in um, a video. So there's a bird flying over really vibrant red trees. Then there's another scene of um, some spheres, the good old motion design spheres, and then a really white scene, which is really graphic as well. But I love that these were the unused clips from his entry, and and the actual entry is awesome as well. Nice. So I think that um, Nodefest is um, Motion Design Festival in Melbourne, and the fact that it's encouraging people to generate this quality of work is awesome just a huge um, it's an amazing compliment to Node and uh, what it's offering Australasia so big ups to Mitch Vinny nice and finally where can we follow you mate online where can the listeners see Um, what you're up to Twitter Twitter's the best place to if you want to reach out and say hi and talk about workflows and geek out uh, on um, post-production workflows and stuff Uh, I'm at, at David M. Houston on Twitter um, and from Twitter, you know, depending on where the conversation goes, we can go to other relevant platform that's, you know, best for that conversation. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I, um, I don't put a lot out there myself on social media. I'm too busy putting out other people's social media content. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it can be a bit like that when you're, um, making content all day, you don't want to have to go out and do the same at night. I did have a go at trying to WordPress blog. Uh, it was just like it was just not. Nah, was just. I was also studying part time at uni too, so like online. So I, I just uh, yeah, just had to had to focus. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, definitely. Yeah. You can find the Pro Video Podcast on our Facebook, and like David, join the Facebook group, and we'll have that link there. And um, yeah, started conversation with me. I'm very accessible. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Pro Video Podcast, and you can fo- follow me personally at Blair Walker on Twitter as well. So, I'd love to see you guys connecting and um, offering up some ideas for future shows. So, yeah, reach out. David, thank you so much, mate, for coming on the show. Really appreciate you doing that for us. Thanks for having me, Blair. It's been great. Awesome, awesome. Look forward to um, catching up with you in the future, mate. Sometime, um, if you're over in Auckland, let me know, and we'll, we'll, yeah. if not, we'll uh, chat online. Yeah, mid-next year, I think we're heading out that way. So. Good yeah. stuff, good stuff. All right, well, we'll have to organize a group, community group catch-up at our lo- local brew house, have, <laughs> have, have, have <laughs> some good. beers. Awesome, man. Thanks <laughs> for having us. Have a good one. Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Okay, bye. Cheers. Join the conversation on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Pro Video Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes.